You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. what Satan wants to do and what the world system uh, is all about. It's to seduce you. Guess what? Most people go that way. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Broad is the road. That's the way most people go. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Not because there's not a clear choice. Is, but the choice is, wait, go God's way or go the world's way. And it's much easier and we naturally go the world's way. At this point, the world is very much a place full of sin and evil. Its priorities are not to please God, but to instead please self. Today, Pastor Danny warns you of the world's evil ways and challenges you not to fall for it. Only by knowing God's word and by consistently developing your relationship with Jesus will you be able to avoid the sinful temptations of the world. You have to keep Him as your core motivation and allow His will to guide all the steps that you take in your life. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel chapter 1 as he begins his message, Maintaining Your Witness in Babylon. of Daniel chapter 1. Make your way to the book of Daniel chapter 1. And for the first time in a long time, I don't get to say from our regular weekly Bible reading plan, we're pulling out a section and teaching on that. We have a different Bible reading plan, but now we're teaching through the book of Daniel. And we got a lot to cover this morning. Buckle your Bible seatbelt. Now, before we read, and we're going to read a lot, I want to give you the background. I, want to assume, I don't want to assume that everybody knows uh, because we don't know that everybody knows the background of the book of Daniel. It happens during what's called the Babylonian captivity. And for you note takers, uh, you can just note down 2 Kings chapter 24, especially the first couple of verses. 2 Kings 24. Another one that goes right along with it is 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 36, especially verses 5 to 7. And what those verses tell us is it's God prophesying about the coming Babylonian captivity. Why do they call it the Babylonian captivity? Well, God allowed Israelites to be deported from the land of Israel and transferred into the land of Babylon. A guy named Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to refer to him occasionally this morning as Neb because it's a lot easier. King Nebuchadnezzar, king of ancient Babylon, God had warned his people, if you go into idolatry and begin to worship and serve other gods, well, in time, what's going to happen is you're going to be given over to enemy powers. And you study the history of Israel. Jerusalem has been defeated, and Israel 
uh, taken over by foreign powers more than any other nation, any other city in the, in the world, in history. And what happened is uh, they go into idolatry. Uh, what God warned them about would happen, and powers like Babylon would come in, take over, and then Israel would repent. Oh, God, help us. We're sorry. And then he'd deliver them only to have another power later come in because they go back and make the same mistakes all over again. The Babylonian captivity, the verses I gave you, 2 Kings 24 and 2 Chronicles 36, God not only told them about the coming Babylonian captivity, he told them how long it would last. He said it's going to last 70 years, 70 years. It's interesting in the book of Daniel, Daniel says he was reading the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, and he realized how long it's going to last. God told him, 70 years. Babylon is a geographic area in the Middle East. It's where the ancient Bible story of the Tower of Babel happened. Tower of Babel, people of the day got together. They said, we're going to build a tower to the heavens. But it wasn't to honor God. It was to worship the gods of the stars and kind of to worship themselves as a people. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. God said, this is not good. They're uniting for a purpose against the God of heaven, not good for heaven, not good for them. And so God came down and stopped the work on the Tower of Babel, and he confused the languages. That's when all the different languages came about. All of a sudden, you're speaking with somebody that you, you were able to understand, they were able to understand you, and all of a sudden, you go, what are you saying? I don't know. What are you talking about? You're speaking some gibberish, and all the different languages, and then he separated them. He scattered them throughout the earth, and so it's called the Tower of Babel, because Babel means, you know, gibberish, and they didn't understand it. Started in ancient Babylon, Tower of Babel. But while it's a geographic place and it has history, it's also spiritual. And Babylon represents this present world and the present world system. How do we know that? Well, a lot of verses, but especially Revelation 17 and 18. Now, if you're a note taker, you want to write down Revelation 17.5. Let me tell you what it says. Revelation 17.5, God refers to Babylon there as, listen, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. From God's viewpoint, the abominations of the earth. The mother of prostitutes. What does a prostitute seek to do? Well, she's got one thing in mind. It's defined by one word. Here's a prostitute's job. Seduce. A prostitute is out to seduce. Let me give you the definition. To attract into a course of action that is inadvisable and foolish. Babylon is a geographic place on the planet, but Babylon is also the world system looking to seduce us. Now, let me give you a couple more. John 12.31, Jesus referred to Satan as the prince of this world. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul the apostle talked about a life before your commitment to Christ that you followed the ways of this world, the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The idea is the planet. Satan's the prince of this world. Now, John the Apostle summed up the things in the world and the temptation of the world by three things. And every sin, every single sin falls under one of these categories. Lust of your flesh, 
lust of your eyes, and the pride of life. Want to be a rock star? Want to be a movie star? Pride, ego, all that. Lust of your eyes. The eyes of man are never satisfied. And you look at things, you say, I want that, and that'll make me happy. It never does. Lust of the flesh could be anything. Anything to, anything to satisfy your physical appetite, but it's outside the will of God. Sexual immorality fa certainly falls under that category, and that's one of the most difficult to stay pure in, to stay away from sexual sin. So lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Now, here is what Satan wants to do and what the world system uh, is all about. It's to seduce you. Guess what? Most people go that way. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Broad is the road. That's the way most people go. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Not because there's not a clear choice. It's, but the choice is, well, I go God's way or go the world's way. And it's much easier, and we naturally go the world's way. You got the background. Now the book of Daniel, the setting, Babylon, a place, but also a system and a spirit that looks to seduce us. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon, and he put in the treasure house of his God. That was a common thing kings did. You come in, you defeat a foreign uh, enemy, and uh, it's the kind of deal where you say, well, our gods are bigger than your gods. Our gods are more powerful than your gods. So you take the articles of their gods, put them in the temple of your gods to show that your gods are bigger than their gods. And then the king, verse 3, ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Stop there for just a minute. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 20. This is fascinating. Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 16. Hezekiah is king at this time in Israel's history, some envoys come from Babylon, some diplomats from the Babylonian government. Hezekiah shows them around Jerusalem, shows them around Israel, shows them all his palace, all the things he has. Not a good idea. Verse 16, then Isaiah, God's man, God's prophet said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood that will be born to you will be taken away. They will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. I don't know if you realize it, but Daniel is one of those guys. And most scholars believe that he's a very young man when he's deported into Babylon. He becomes a eunuch. Not by choice. Ouch. There goes the family plan. Back to Daniel chapter 1, bring some of the Israelites into verse 3 from the royal family and the nobility, verse 4, young men, most scholars believe teenagers, without any physical defect, handsome. These are the guys all the girls wanted to go out with, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. These are the A-plus students and the GQ dudes. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. 
The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They get the best of the best. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So here's what's happening. Deported from Israel into the land of Babylon, they got the choice guys, royal blood. They're going to train them for three years. And the goal is to get them to forget their heritage, forget Israel, forget the God of Israel, and adapt to and become part of Babylon. I think you get the point. Verse 6, among these were some men from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Stop there. Daniel. He has God's name in his name. El, Elohim. Daniel's name is connected to his God. And his name means God is my judge. Hananiah. Hananiah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yahweh. His name means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael. Mishael. His name means who is equal to Yahweh. Azariah means Yahweh helps. Yahweh helps. Verse 7, the chief official gave them new names. And that's what Babylon wants to do. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. Bel was one of the chief gods of Babylon. His new name means Bel protect his life. To Hananiah, they give the name Shadrach. Shadrach means servant of Aku. Aku was the moon god in Babylon. To Mishael, they gave him the name Meshach. Meshach means who is what Aku is. And to Azariah, they gave him the new name Abednego. Abednego means servant of Nego, and Nego was the god of wisdom in Babylon. Don't miss verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Daniel's a leader. He's under the Old Testament Mosaic law. He's a kosher Jew. He's going to remain kosher even though he's in Babylon. The idea is he's going to remain committed to his God even though he's in the land of Babylon. You might have heard the saying, you can take the, country out of the, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. I'm a country boy. I live in the city now, but I'm telling you what, I'm still a country boy. You can take Daniel out of the kingdom, but you can't take the kingdom out of Daniel because it's in his heart. He makes a commitment not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And what he's saying is, if you don't eat the stuff we're giving you and you just you know, eat something else, you're going to get weak, you're going to lose weight, and I'm going to get in trouble. Daniel did said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please, test your servers for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then... Compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Now, that sounds like a fair deal, doesn't it? 
So he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. Verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. God honors their commitment. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature, learning. I wish he had done that for me when I was in school. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, and then the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. You know why? Because God has a plan. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Years passed, and Daniel would be there until a new king came to power. That's a lot of time. And God has a plan. And God has a purpose for Daniel and his three friends. And that is to be witnesses in the land of Babylon and not to be seduced by Babylon. Because if you're seduced by Babylon, then the purpose God has for your life is not able to be fulfilled and accomplished. Are you with me? I'll say one more thing, and if you have your Bible seatbelt on, we're going into chapter 2. But before we do, Daniel and his three friends make a commitment not to defile themselves, but they are not the only ones that were deported into the land of Babylon. The whole reason Israel has gone into captivity is because for the most part, everybody's fallen to idolatry. They've fallen to the ways of the world. Folks, that's no different than it is today in the church and what God's looking for, what God's looking for. Any age, but he's especially looking for some young people that you will make the kind of commitment in your life that you will not be seduced by Babylon. You will not go the way everybody else is going. You will stand your ground. You will stay committed. And hopefully through your commitment, others your age will join you. And a new generation will be raised up. We need people of all ages with that kind of commitment, but we really need some young people. That's Daniel and his three friends. Now watch what God does in and through their lives. Chapter 2. I love this book. In the second year of his reign, Neb had dreams. His mind was troubled. He could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Now these guys are on a payroll. They're on the king's payroll. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. They said that a lot in those days to butter up the king. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. Now, that was the common way it worked. Uh, you would have the dream. You'd go get your magicians, enchanters and all. You'd tell them, here's the dream I had. Uh, tell me what it means. They'd go away. They'd come back and they'd say, here's what it means. Here's what it means. But Neb, he's got a different idea. He's thinking, if these really guys, if these guys really can see into the spirit realm, they ought to be able to tell me not only what the dream means, they ought to be able to tell me the dream. 
Tell the servants you dream. We'll interpret it. Verse 5, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. We're going to do things a little different. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. That's pretty good motivation. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and the interpretation. Verse 7, once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. And the king answered, I'm certain you're trying to gain time because you realize this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's just one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, verse 10, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing to any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Well, they're not getting anywhere, verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Guess who that includes now? Daniel and his three friends. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. I so want to be like him. I don't know if I'm going to ever live long enough to become like him, but he's so mature to be a young man this mature in the Lord. He spoke with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel at this. Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. In other words, you guys better pray so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You better know Daniel prays and they pray. And it appears they prayed into the night because during the night, the mystery was revealed in a vision to Daniel. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. God gives you a revelation. You better make sure you give him his due. And Daniel does. Here's what he says, verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we ask of you. You've made known to us the dream of the king. How cool is that? Verse 24, then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to him, don't execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I'll interpret his dream for him. So obviously... The decree had not had time to be carried out. Nobody died. Daniel was going to save their lives. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Boy, I bet Neb's face just lit up.
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Daniel on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. If you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. You can find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Daniel right here on The Living Word.